Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. I am Graham Jesus Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. As always, we're being joined by the one, the only, the illustrious Mr. Marceau, who has plenty of thoughts on the past week in wrestling, specifically what went down last night on Dynamite. A lot of conversation coming up on the show here today regarding Dynamite, uh, the events of Raw, which is probably... Um, last, and certainly least, compared to everything else that went on in the world of wrestling this week, between Dynamite and NXT last night, we'll get to that soon enough, the passing of a WWE Hall of Famer, and TakeOver War Games 4 predictions for this Sunday. Mr. Marceau, above all else, we got Christmas coming up in three weeks. Are you excited? Favorite holiday of the year coming up later on in the month. Yeah, I can't wait. It's like a couple weeks away. Santa's immune to COVID-19, so it's going to be a great year. <laughs> Before we go any further, i got to ask, we discussed last week your favorite Thanksgiving meals and what you have every year for Thanksgiving. And I answered this in hashtag AskGSM this past week, but are there any favorite Christmas movies that you love to watch every December? Well, easily. I mean, The Year Without Santa Claus, great flick mm-hmm. animation. Uh, Santa, the Santa Claus Coming to Town, another great one. Um, just watch the Home Alones. Those are great. Um, I prefer the second one over the first one, but, I mean, they're both pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Grinch is good. Frosty, I mean, what I don't really, I don't think of, like, think of, a, like, a Christmas movie at the time I had that I, like, don't, I mean, The Christmas Carol's all right. I know you hate The Christmas Story. I honestly have no idea what that movie even is. I think I've seen it before, but mm-hmm. haven't seen it multiple times. But, yeah, those are just a quick, quick tidbit of the Christmas movies I like. Were you the one that I was discussing last year just how fucking random, and not just random, but like <laughs> like how completely illogical the Home Alone movies are? And they're great movies, don't get me wrong, but like, I think, I don't know if it was with you last year where we were discussing like, like in the second movie, for example, the kid just gets on the plane, and they're like, oh yeah, just go ahead, like your dad might be on there. And then he just ends up going to New York even without a ticket. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's the whole point of the movie. It's supposed to be like over-the-top ridiculous, but I mean... The first one's even worse. They just leave the kid at home. It's like, okay. Like, they just forget about their kid. That's just terrible parenting. Well, I, the think second the, one, I think the second one's worse because they forget that he's not even on the plane. Eh, I mean, it's one of the, It's like, at least the second one, he thinks he sees his dad. And then when he goes on with the stewards, he just like, oh, yeah, that's my dad. But he's just like, no, no, no not, not his fault. I'm talking about the parents. Eh, the first one, they just forgot about him. <laughs> I guess the second one is bad, too, because, like, the year before they forgot him, so, like, you'd think the second time they'd be, like, extra, like, careful they don't forget him. But, I mean, there also is, like, I don't know, they're in a rush. It's just, like, one of those things. I mean, I think in the second one, when they when they get on the plane, she's like, I think we're forgetting someone. I think you'd go and check, but, like, they're just too dumb. <laughs> yeah, they're just too dumb parents, but they are great movies nonetheless. 
Uh, you can find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine, uh, RJ, RJ underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. New episodes of the show uploaded every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play. Uh, you can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. we got a stack show coming up today, as I mentioned. But uh, before we get to any of this stuff from Dynamite, which we will kick off with, because it was easily the most newsworthy thing of the week, and we'll end off with the War Games predictions for the weekend. Um, just yesterday, actually right before Dynamite on the morning of Wednesday, of December 2nd, we found out WWE Hall of Famer, the inaugural Intercontinental Champion, the Famous, the illustrious Pat Patterson passing away, I believe at the age of 79. I had read somewhere it was due to cancer. I can't confirm that off the top of my head right here. Um, it doesn't really matter, but just the fact that he passed away was super sad. Uh, 79 is still relatively young. Uh, you know, there, and, and it's not like he was a guy where... For example, like in Legends House, which only aired five years ago, and I remember us reviewing those early episodes of the show five, six years ago when we first started doing the show together. Uh, half of the cast is now gone between himself, Roddy Piper, Mean Gene, and uh, who else passed away? Oh, Howard Finkel earlier this year. And it's not like with Roddy Piper, for example, where he probably had, you know, not, I don't know if it was steroids or heart, he had a heart attack, I believe, Roddy Piper did. He died extraordinarily young in like the mid in his mid 60s I believe and he had some other heart issues and stuff like that Pat Patterson I believe just had cancer I forgot what Howard Finkel's medical condition was but it's not like these guys were abusing drugs or doing steroids or something these are just kind of uh, not natural causes but just unfortunate circumstances and uh, unfortunately Pat Patterson was the latest of that trend in 2020 of wrestlers we've lost this year along with Animal again like I said Howard Finkel Rocky Johnson, man, the list goes on and on and on of people that we've um, lost in 2020. But what were your initial thoughts, uh, reaction, Mr. Marceau, to Pat Patterson? And I know, again, he, of course, he came up in an era that we weren't watching. Um, his time was really in the 60s, 70s, early 80s, I believe. He's been with WWE for a very, very long time. Um, we haven't seen him too much in recent years, but he would pop up here and there as part of the Three Stooges stuff. Again, he would pop up with anything involving the Intercontinental Championship, being the first ever Intercontinental Champion. And he was always a presence backstage. I think he was actually at the Raw Reunion Show about a year ago, winning the 24-7 Championship and becoming, in, in the process, I think the oldest champion in WWE history. Uh, what were your thoughts, RJ, in the passing of Pat Patterson this past week? Definitely sad. I mean, like you said, I didn't grow up in that era, but throughout the whole time of me watching wrestling, obviously they would always notify or say that Pat Patterson was the first Intercontinental Champion. He would always kind of pop up here and there, like you said, uh, whenever the Intercontinental Championship, like even if it was just like lineage or someone bringing it up, they'd always bring up Pat Patterson. Um, clearly big, big, big person backstage. He was always with Vince and uh, travel with him and just a big official backstage. So everyone I saw had everything, like great remarks to say about the guy i mean it seems like he was very beloved backstage and all the wrestlers had great things to say about him so i mean nothing from his in-ring days i know about but it seems like he was a great guy backstage and a great guy to mentor young wrestlers 100 i forgot to mention this too i mean how could i forget but he obviously he's credited with coming up with the concept for the royal rumble match and had it not been for pat patterson we probably would not have the royal rumble that we do now um, it would be cool if they did something in his honor, his memory, come Royal Rumble next year. It does suck there's no fans currently in, in attendance uh, to do like a trophy or something. But the match is coming up in about a week or so. Not a week, I'm sorry, about a month or so in late January. It's coming up quickly. So it would be nice to see them do some sort of 
Again, it, the Royal Rumble is the Royal Rumble. It speaks for itself. You don't really need to have anything extra, but maybe they win a Pat Patterson trophy or do something special in his honor, I think would be cool. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of wrestlers, a lot of like many, many, many different people, including the McMahon family. Kevin Owens, I saw, put up a video about Pat Patterson. Sami Zayn put up a series of tweets. They were all very close to him, among many other people across the wrestling community. So very sad loss, very sudden too. I didn't even know he was sick or, again, had cancer or whatever it was. Um, that led to his passing, but uh, yeah, very, very um, sad loss in the world of wrestling this past week, so rest in peace, Pat Patterson. So we get to Dynamite from last night. I know it's a bit of a stretch here. We go from WWE-related stuff to Dynamite, but it easily was the most newsworthy stuff outside of the Pat Patterson passing this past week, um, in which we saw not only a new champion crowned at the end of the show and Kenny Omega, spoiler alert, of course, but the debut of Sting that I don't want to say has been in the works for a while, um, clearly they've been planning on this for a bit and it didn't come together in the last couple of days because they had a theme made up for him. They had merchandise made up for him. Um, but his WWE merchandise was removed from WWE shop earlier on this year. So I'm pretty sure he's been off of the legends deal or whatever it is for quite some time now. But, um, yeah, so the AEW debut has came as a bit of a shock. Obviously some polarizing opinions, including from yourself, Mr. Marceau, very different from my own, which we'll get to. Um, but overall, did the show for you, RG, before we really get to any specifics regarding the event, um, did the Winter Is Coming edition of Dynamite live up to the lofty height they've been giving it for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I thought the show as a whole was entertaining. I mean, um, I wouldn't say it was the most perfect, the, the perfect show like people are touting it as, but I thought for a weekly Dynamite, I thought it was it was good. I, I thought some of the matches were pretty good. Some were just and, but I from from what came out for, from the show, I think it deserves the claim that people are saying it is. I mean, definitely the most newsworthy show that we've seen probably in the last couple of years. I mean, I think a lot of things happened, teased a lot of things as well. So as a, as a buzz worthy show, it was probably the most buzz worthy show. I wouldn't say it was the greatest show of all time, but as a buzz, buzz related, I think it was, it's probably this. And uh, I mean, Probably like the Broken Hardy stuff is the last time I can think of the buzz being such a big deal on just like a random show, so. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's got a lot of people talking. Again, good, bad, or indifferent. There's a lot of people talking about what what happened, what, you know, what happened last night, what went down, what's coming out of the event, what they're going to be doing going forward. Uh, one thing I did get uh, that I did thought got lost in the shuffle, you mentioned like the Sting debut getting lost in the shuffle and Sting, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But the Dynamite Dynamite Battle Royal that kicked off the show, it was with, I don't know, 15 people. I think last year it was like a dozen people because they called it the Dynamite Dozen Diamond Battle Royal. Um, this year we had, I think, maybe upwards of 15 people in the thing. I don't remember. But um, nonetheless, I thought it was a very good, you know, it, it was fine for what it was. It was a typical battle royal. It kind of had furthered a lot of different stories. This kind of got lost in the shuffle because by the time the, the show was over, I completely forgot about it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I did think it was fine for what it was. The final two remaining combatants were MJF and Orange Cassidy. So they will face off one-on-one next week for what this uh, for this, what, prestigious dynamite, diamond battle royal ring, whatever, um, that MGF has been carrying around for about a year now. So uh, the battle royal was what it was. We had an interesting finish here. They're clearly teasing tension within the inner circle. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, but what were your thoughts on the battle royal itself, RJ, and where this might be leading? Are we getting a new holder of this dynamite diamond ring in Orange Cassidy? And does it even matter at the end of the day? I mean, the ring is just what it is. It just hasn't, it's like you said, I wouldn't say it's the most prestigious thing of all time. Like, 
MJF has held it for the last year, but hasn't really been mentioned much. I mean, he has, I guess, used it in a few matches, but as like a if Orange Cassidy won as a babyface, like what does that really do? I mean, that's not like it guarantees anything or gives you title shots or anything. So it, it is what it is. I thought the battle royal, for like you said, I think it, if anything, it furthered some feuds, I guess. But I wouldn't say like mostly feuds that I wouldn't say are big on dynamite. And just like the Sean Spears, Scorpio Sky stuff was what it was. Um, Hangman, the Dark Order stuff, like, for what it was, it was good. I mean, I, I really don't want to see him in the Dark Order, but, I mean, I guess it furthers that. Um, the dissension between the Inner Circle did that as well. Honestly, I was confused at the end. I was, I, like, skipped through, like, the beginning and just, like, got to, like, when they started wrestling. So, when Orange Cassidy threw out Wardlow and they stopped it, I'm like, wait, why did he win? Then I f- remember that they do like a match after the fact, mm-hmm. um, but it was fine for what it was. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a battle royal. It's nothing. It was, I'm not gonna say it was like the greatest thing ever. It was just fine for what it was. I don't really get the like they started on the outside and then they ran the bell and everyone just jumped in. Like at that point, why would you? Wouldn't you just wait on the outside and just wait to go in? I mean, I guess it's the same thing with Royal Rumble, but I don't know that's kind of a little nitpick. But for what it was, it was fine. MJF and Orange Cassidy should be fine. Uh, yeah. So, are you predicting an Orange Cassidy win next week, or do you think MJF holds on to it? Um, I mean, the way that they're talking about it, like the kind of the dissension with the inner circle, I could see something with that happening, Orange Cassidy winning it, and then they kind of further that a little bit more. But, I mean, like I said, regardless, I don't think it really matters who holds it. No, it really doesn't, and I just think Orange Cassidy's going to win, because they're obviously not going to give him the TNT title anytime soon, which they probably shouldn't, but... The thing is, is that obviously he's coming off that Chris Jericho feud. Two huge wins over Jericho on Dynamite, I think at Fighter Fest, or... No, I think it was a random episode of Dynamite in August, and then he beat him again at the All Out pay-per-view. He beat John Silver at full, at full gear um, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. He just hasn't done a lot since then. I think he got two or three different TNT title shots. I think one against Brody Lee that he lost, two against Cody that he lost... He needs something, and I guess this might be it, but it doesn't really feel like Orange Cassidy carrying around this diamond ring is really a gimmick that I, anyone could really care about, to be honest with you. It just it feels like kind of a lose-lose. Yeah, those two wins against Jericho just seemed so long ago, and they meant, like, absolutely nothing. I If if, if they compelled that, at least if he, like, got those wins, and then, I mean, I don't think he should win the belt, but, like, if, if he then won the TOT belt... I guess it would ride the momentum of him beating Jericho, but him beating Jericho and then losing, like you said, multiple times, and then going facing John Silver, who's a low-card guy, and then if he wins this ring, I mean, I I just, like, what's he just going to walk around and say he has a ring and then just kind of do his shtick still? I mean, it doesn't really do much. I think the momentum... I honestly don't even think beating Jericho really gave him that much momentum because I think Jericho, this whole year, has kind of been on a downward spiral, so... I, I think, if anything, they should have maybe tried to capitalize on him beating Jericho. At this point, it just seems like he's just, just kind of another guy. Yeah, it does. I mean, I feel like the win over Jericho not really should have cemented him as a star, but at least, we, we've mentioned this before, this is no surprise, but it really should have been reserved for a bigger star that really could have benefited, they had plans for, they had, clearly had no plans for Orange Cassidy. If the guy was going to go on to lose three TNT title matches, and then also... Just do nothing. I mean, he beat John Silver. Whoop the fucking do. Like, they got to do more with him than just that. Um, so we'll see you next week. I, I expect Orange Cassidy to win. Sammy Guevara is probably going to cost MJF the match. And it is what it is. But speaking of Jericho, 
He did, you know, did face Frankie Kazarian last night on the show. And what I thought was a good match, it was well-wrestled. I mean, both guys, Kazarian can still go, as can Jericho, but this is not in the match that it would have been, I would say, 10 years ago. Like, if it was 2010 or even 2005, the match would have been a lot better than what it was here. But it was still good for what it was. Clearly, the focus was on the inner circle stuff. MJF contemplating throwing in the towel for Jericho, Sammy Guevara stopping him. The big issue within the group is between Guevara and MJF. And by the time that Sammy Guevara intercepted the whole towel thing, Jericho thought that Sammy Guevara was going to throw in the towel and not MJF. So we are getting this ultimatum next week. I have no idea what the fuck it's supposed to consist of or what that's even... I mean, I know what ultimatum means, but maybe I missed something, but I'm not sure if it's like three members of the group versus another three members of the group. Not in a match, but like... I'm not exactly sure what the ultimatum is supposed to be. But they're teasing that the inner circle might be no more. Um, and MGF, as we kind of expected from the get-go, appears to be in the group to dismantle it from within. Now, do you think the end really is near for the inner circle? Do they just X out MJF? What's the end game here with this angle, RJ, in your opinion? <laughs> I honestly have no idea, GSM. Um, it's crazy because like, I believe it was two weeks ago they were doing the Vegas stuff. Everything seemed to be great. They were all on the same page, at least it seemed like. Then this week, they have this battle royal, and then just complete dissension the whole match. People are getting involved, they're bickering back and forth. Like you said, Jericho seeing Sammy. Looked like he was going to throw in the towel, even though it was MJF at first. Hager and Wardlow going at it again. Ortiz trying to get involved. Like It was just kind of like an absolute shit show. Like, I understand, I didn't really understand like the whole... Like, when Ortiz and Hager were like, getting involved in the match, and then there was other dissension. It just seemed like a big mess to me, but... Uh, I, I don't know really, like you said, this whole ultimatum, I know what ultimatum is, but like they didn't really specify what's going to be, like you said, are they going to like talk it out, are they going to wrestle each other, it just, I, I didn't really give us any details on that, I I mean, it, it would seem kind of silly if they broke them up the next week, like I said, because two weeks ago they were in Vegas, everything was all hunky-dory, and then a week later it's just all like a shit show, so we'll see, I Maybe, maybe they kick Sammy out. I honestly don't know. I honestly have no idea where this is going. Um, it just kind of seems like filler at this point. Well, to get credit where it's due, they have been teasing tension between MJF and Guevara since even before the Jericho-MJF match of full gear. Um, they were obviously hesitant to get him in the group. They did do the Las Vegas stuff, and they were all largely on the same page. They did do subtle hints of tension between Guevara and MJF, but it had no correlation to the entire group. So my thing is, they're teasing now that the entire group might be done with. Which, I mean, we argued a while ago it should because it's done no one involved any favors in recent months. I, I think it would just make more sense if it was like, okay, if like Guevara's on trial type of thing, or MJF is on trial, and if they don't pass, then they're out of the group. I, wouldn't that just make more sense as if they were, and then as opposed to just breaking up altogether? Because it's not like Santana and Ortiz have had any issues with Jericho or Jake Hager and Jericho aren't getting along. It's literally just MJF and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, I mean, it should be... Maybe it's a one-or-the-other kind of situation there. It just... I just, I don't know. It just seems like I said... I understand, like you said, they were, they've been teasing for a while, but at this point, it's like, why even have MJF in the group if he's just going to break them all up? I don't know. It's kind of like Jericho's blinded by it. Like, just because he, you, he beat you and you let him in the group, like, you should see the dissension, but, I mean... Like you said, they're playing it off like the teasing between Sammy and MJF more than kind of the whole group as a whole. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be long-term storytelling, dude, but it's not like with Orton and the Wyatt family. Orton was in the group for, like, what, four or five months? I mean, MJF has been there for fucking three weeks. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I would rather ju- they just, uh, I don't I don't even know what they do, to be, com- to be completely honest with you. I really don't. Um, I guess they're probably, I mean, MJF shouldn't be a full member, full-fledged member of the inner circle anyway. But I would rather they just get, o- get this over with and move on at this point. Because if they're not going to drag it out and tell the story properly, then what does it even matter? I mean, I just can't bring myself to care about the inner circle at this point. They're still a great faction, but in, as far as how they've been booked lately... Maybe it's by design, but I just feel like, I don't know, like I really thought that, I I really think that they thought that the Jericho-Cassidy feud was going to make Orange Cassidy, and it was a total waste of time. They did the best friends and Santana Ortiz in the parking lot brawl, and best friends won, and now they're feuding with, uh, let me check my notes here, Miro and Kip Sabian. I mean, dude, who who fucking cares? Like, I just feel like anyone who has beaten them, Matt Hardy really hasn't done a ton. I guess he might be turning heel, so how much of a rub does he really get from beating Sammy Guevara for, like, what, the third time? It just seems bizarre. It's not like really anyone's benefited from the group recently. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, I am liking the women's stuff that they're doing right now with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker, I thought, had a pretty good match on the show, as did Layla Hirsch uh, with each other. Hirsch had a really good showing. Baker looked really good. Very good stuff here. Baker goes over. Thunder Rose and Britt Baker brawl afterward. Um, looks like it might be leading to a tag team match. Baker and Reba, or Rebel, whatever, versus Hirsch and Rosa. Uh, Rosa, obviously, is not a full-fledged member of the roster, but I am liking the usage of her in this feud with Britt Baker right now. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this. I thought the match was pretty good. Um, I think Britt could have probably put her away a little bit quicker, but no, I, I'm a big fan of Britt Baker. I think she's been great as a heel i think she was pretty good as a face as well but the heel turns actually done a lot for her um and like you said they're clearly teasing uh probably a tag team like you said that match with her and reba versus uh thunder rosa and that other girl but no i think thunder and um brit as like a singles feud without the title is something that even the wwe could use at this point just like a good singles feud not around a belt so I think right, whoever wins this, I'm assuming Britt would be the next one to face the champion, but um, definitely something that women's divisions need around any kind of wrestling organization. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. We'll see uh, where they go with this going forward. It's a nice usage, again, like I said, of all the women involved. I, I think, I mean, there's no championship involved. There doesn't need to, but I think this is far more interesting than whatever the hell they're going to be doing with Hikurashida and, and Abaddon, which I think Abaddon's in action next week. I don't think she's wrestling Sheeta, but that seems to be the direction they're going in Sheeta versus Abaddon, and I just can't bring myself to carry. She Sheeta's acting last night was atrocious. <laughs> I just I have no comments on uh, Abaddon. She's a she's a she's terrible. She's terrible. So again, there's a lot of stuff I liked about this show. I thought it was a great show overall, but I do got to mention the negative too. That being one of them, as well as the hybrid two. I mean, the young bucks are just not likable. And the hybrid two have been booked terribly overall in AEW. And now we're expect to see them as threats to the Young Bucks. Uh, I'm liking the fact they're doing a match next week. It should be a fun match, but what, what's going on here, dude? Are they going to have the hybrid two win? Or do you think the Young Bucks win and then move on to a feed with this with this uh, acclaimed tag team? Who have been on Dark a lot lately. I'm actually a big fan of theirs. I, I started off like, well, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of them initially. And they've really grown on me in the last month. Um, it's been cool to see them in action. But what's going on with the tag team scene right now, the Young Bucks as champions? Because they're just not coming off as likable whatsoever. Yeah, I just... I, that segment last night was just absolute poo. I mean, the Young Bucks on the mic are terrible as it is. And then they have that acclaimed team. I mean, I don't really know them. You might know them more. I mean, the guy did a rap 
I mean, it was what it was. Um, and then they're like, turn around, and the hybrid two come in. Angelico's punch <laughs> on Nick or Matt Jackson looks so bad. I fucking died laughing. And then Evans took him out. But at the end of the day, like, these two guys were glorified jobbers on dark. They really haven't won anything of note. And then all of a sudden, they beat top flight. And then now they're in the title picture. Just, I don't know, it doesn't make much sense. It just, they did a complete 180 on this team. I like J- Evans and, and Helico, but the way they've been treated, it's just like, what, now they're getting a title match? And like you said, I just don't think the Young Bucks, they're like, we're going to be fighting champions. Like, dude, every champion, every tag team, team, every tag team that's held those belts have been, I guess in quotations, uh, defending champ, like fighting champions. They fight like every two weeks for the belts, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Especially when Man and uh, Omega had the belts. I felt like every two weeks they were defending the belts, so... I mean, it's. I'm not clamoring for TH2 versus Young Bucks. It just seems like that's where they're going. And I guess, I, I mean, Young Bucks, I mean, if they lose to TH2, they might as well just quit it being EVPs at that point. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, I'm just don't, I actually just don't care. You know, I, I got to play devil's advocate here because I do like TH2. And I've said before that um, they should have been doing more with Helico and Jack Evans before they have recently. Do you think the company was proven right, though? Because this really should be the time where they rise up. They rise to the occasion. They put out great performances and prove, you know, why they've been slept on, and uh, wrongfully so, over the last year. But they really haven't done anything that has stood out as being special. They've had an SCU feud going on on Dark in recent months, and I just I haven't really cared about that. Um, that's been decent. It's been fine for Dark. But I don't know. I feel like these guys really, maybe they're just not a good fit for AEW. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't even know if I wouldn't say that I don't even know if I'd say they're not a good fit. I just feel like they just haven't really got I don't even know if respect's the right word. They just haven't really done anything. Like they've they they were at their inaugural show at Double Nothing when we went. And then since then it's just been downhill since. They just I they don't win a lot. And if they do it's on dark, which I mean I don't watch. A lot of people probably don't watch, and if they are winning it's against teams that are just kind of like jobbers or independent talent that are coming in. So those aren't like big mainstream wins. Uh, I just think they're one of those teams that just haven't really done much. I mean, I, I think they're good, but they just haven't done much. So why should we take them seriously? It's kind of like proud and powerful. Like I like them, but they haven't wrestled. I couldn't even tell you the last time I even saw them wrestle a match or win regardless. So I think it's just, it's more of how they've been treated than, not being good fit, I just feel like they just haven't been on TV, and now that they're pushing them, I just don't care. Well, again, they're not really rising to the occasion right now. Do you think it's because they've been booked so badly over the last year, and that's why they're really not delivering right now, and you're just automatically accustomed to not caring, or do you think it would be a different story had they been pushed? Had this happened a year ago, do you think it would be a different story? Uh, and, and, like, for example... Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Well, like I, the I talk show say- segment, for example, it fucking sucked. They can't talk for shit. Like, do you think they would benefit from a manager type of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, but everyone else has managers, and they're just not that important. So yeah. if you're going to get people managers, they'd probably be one of the last. I don't know. They're just, they're just like a good indie. Like, you know what? I'm just saying. They're just a good indie team. Like, I, I just I just don't. Like you said, they're good in the ring, or they can do the flippity doodahs. But on the mic, like you said, they're not good. And they're just not that interesting of, of like, it's like, they're just not that interesting. So it just is what it is. I just, I don't know. I just. I don't want to like bury the guys, but I think they're good for they're good for independent wrestling, but like on a main 
stream level, you kind of have the whole package to go, and I just don't think they have it. I'm going to be completely honest here. Do you think they were just bigger fishes in a smaller pond in Lucha Underground? I mean, you could say the same thing for like an LAX team, and although they haven't had a lot of success in AEW, that's not their fault. That's the booking. I think they stand out as being special. They're interesting to me. And Helico and Jack Evans in this environment, although they are good wrestlers, feel like they're lost in the shuffle, not only because of the booking, but just because they're they pale in comparison to all the other teams they have under contract right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they're a good independent team as a team in a major organization. I just don't see them as anything special. We get to another tag team match. Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes taking on Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. A good match. Honestly, I don't really remember much about it. The obvious uh, focus was what on what happened afterward. With uh, all of the Nightmare family, that being... They, they, they talk about the fucking Nightmare family, but we haven't seen the gun club with Cody and Dustin and QT Marshall in forever. I don't think QT Marshall was even fucking out there. Dustin Rhodes was out there. Arn Anderson, Cody, and Allen. That's it. I don't know where the rest of the faction was. I don't fucking care. But why even make it a thing? Like, what? What? how much of use are they really if they aren't even out there to save Cody when it matters most? Whatever. So all of this leads to the lights going out. The lights come back on. And we get Sting coming out. So again, he left. I can't really say left, but his contract with WWE expired earlier on in the year. I believe around WrestleMania time, May or June or maybe even April. It was around that time that it was rumored that he was done with WWE under the Legends deal. And I will say this, he hasn't wrestled a match in five years. He was under contract to the company for a long time. They didn't do fucking jack shit with him, dude. Um, I could talk about... You know, all the, the fact that whether he should wrestle again, we'll get to that. There's going to be a long discussion about this Sting thing here and how much of use he can really be to the organization because I know we're, we kind of have two different thoughts on this. But I think one thing we can agree on is that the WWE, although he, the guy couldn't wrestle, he was never even on the show. Like, he was never brought back for any appearances. I think he was on the show maybe once for that Ric Flair birthday thing. He was at the Hall of Fame four or five years ago. And he never showed up again like they were selling his merchandise and shit. I fucking met him at Axis last year. But other than that, you would never even know that he was still with WWE. I feel like they could have done more with him than they did while he was under contract there, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just... With the whole... Like, yeah, it's a big name. It's a legend. It's like, at this point... I don't know, I just, for me, like, for his, obviously, I don't think he was used really at all, but, like, I don't also want him being used as much as, like, even though he's not used a ton, but, like, Goldberg was nice at first, but then it's just, like, to the end, it's, like, he's always on TV, and just, like, I'm, like, okay, I'm over this at this point, like, I get, I'd rather see Sting in, like, a managerial role, even though I don't, I mean, I don't really think he's the greatest talker of all time, but I'd rather see him in a role like that, like, he's, he's still there, but, like, he's not really the focus point than being like a Goldberg that's like taking TV time over people that we like want to see flourish and stuff like that. So not that I don't think, I don't think he was used enough in WWE. I just, I mean, they don't really have a lot of managers as it is. And I, I just don't think they're, they're ever going to use it like that. I, I just think for WWE, it should have just been bring him back, do the taker match. Then for anything else is gravy. They just didn't do that. And then he had the match with triple H that sucked. Then he faced Rollins, got hurt. And then there's just the rest was history. So I, I just, I think it was more just bringing him in and just get, having Sting than actually using him. At that point, for WWE, you're talking about. Correct. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Um, so they let him go, or he left under the Legends deal, whatever, earlier on this year. There were some rumors that he might be brought into AEW, just considering how close he is with some of the people in the company. Um, that didn't happen. Some people thought it might happen at like double or nothing. Some people were holding out hope for full gear. And the fact that it happened when it did, I think, worked out for the best in, in terms of timing, just because no one was expecting it. It worked out perfectly with the whole winter is coming thing. And obviously, we all thought that was just a tagline and ended up being more than just a tagline. And it made sense for it to just be a tagline because it was, you know, a Game of Thrones reference. And I don't watch the show, but I know that's what it's in, it's in reference to. Um, but it ended up working out perfectly. So in terms of pure presentation, I thought this was awesome. The people were going crazy. He comes out. Um, doesn't get physical, he just confronted Arn, then Dustin, then Cody, then Darby, all four generations of, uh, of wrestlers, which I thought was cool, and then he just walked to the back to a great ovation, so, lot to dissect here, lot to dissect here, I know we're on two different, uh, thought processes, I guess you could say here, Mr. Marceau, I'll let you take it away, so, I know you weren't a big fan of this, what are your thoughts, overall, before we break down the specifics of why he's here, what they can do with him, you got to mention right off the bat, the guy is 60-something years old. I think he's, what, 63, maybe? 65? I don't know. He's around there. He's he's, he's definitely older than... Uh, Mo- like, Jericho was just world champion. He just turned 50. Sting is well over 10 years older than Chris Jericho. So, you got to mention that right off the bat. He looks great. The face paint looked awesome. But the guy is 60-something years old. A lot of people are mentioning that. He's got a busted-up neck. What's going on here, Mr. Marceau? What were your thoughts on the Sting debut on the Winter's Coming Edition of Dynamite last night? Was it a big thing? Like, Sting come back? Yeah, just like, I don't know, maybe I'm not just like a Sting mark, so it's like, oh, what, I'm like, oh, it's Sting, cool. But it's like, I, my biggest thing was like, he didn't do anything. Like, came out, like you said, he stopped and like, kind of like, looked or like, had some kind of interaction with each of the people in the ring, but like, that was it, and then he went back. Like, I don't know, I just... I just it, to me it wasn't that, like if he came out and started like like he cleaned house okay maybe I would have I obviously don't want him to do that either like they just don't do that but um I don't know it just didn't it was like a big moment I guess but maybe I'm just not that big of a sting fanatic that I got like too crazy about it like I just I don't know I thought for what it was it was neat but I I mean people are like losing their mind about it. I just was like oh it's nice he was gonna be in the company hopefully he's not wrestling a ton. But then I saw he's full-time, so then I'm like, please don't be wrestling. And as a manager, like, I like people always obviously put him and Darby together because of the face paint. But, like, I don't know. I feel like Darby doesn't even really need a manager. Like, he, he's a, just like a goofy skateboard guy. Like, it's not the greatest promo, but, I mean, I think he's better than Sting. And he's kind of like that Sting character, like a lone wolf kind of. He's just kind of his own guy. So, I, from there, if you don't put him with Darby, like, what do you do with him? So, I mean, I don't want him with Darby either. So, to me, it just like, kind of just fell flat for what I kind of want, like what they'll probably do with him. So, again, it, it's all a matter of what they do with him. Um, I hear the words full-time, and it does make me a little scared because I don't think he should be on the show every week. I think there should be a right balance. You mentioned earlier about, you know, like Goldberg and how we got sick of him towards the end, blah, blah, blah. He has worked out a deal now where it only works two matches a year, so I'm okay with that. With Sting, before I go any further, do you think they let him wrestle again? Because I feel like the answer for me is going to be, I feel like it's going to be a yes. I fear that they are. I just, I mean. And what what matches do you do with Sting? I don't know. That's the question. It's like maybe they do him and Darby and like just kind of like 
he wrestles Darby, and they think that's going to put Darby over. I mean, I, I just like the match with Rollins was like fine, but that was also like three or four years ago. Like five years just, ago, actually. Yeah, see, I'm even being nice. I just, eh, I just have no interest in seeing him in the ring. It's like even like. Like, I like Goldberg, and I'm over Goldberg wrestling at this point. It's like, it's nice. He did his, like, little return. Don't need to see Goldberg anymore. I just, I understand they want, like, those big names. It's obviously, like, Sting's back and the whole nine. But, like, I just think it's more of, like, an in-the-moment, like, holy shit buzz than, like, actually paying off in the long Like, No, I, 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 I understand. It. I get it. You want the legends and stuff like that. But it's, like, also, usually these companies use these legends and they outshine what they're like they're outshining the current people just like you're just kind of going the same like cycle of bring an old guy get some buzz and then they outshine people that you like want to see succeed so like i don't want sting to take away from like darby becoming like bigger than he already is and stuff like that so i don't know i think it's they'll probably have him wrestle but i mean honestly i could care less I think he will, because he probably realizes his career ended on a... I, I can't say a sour note. I mean, it did with the injury, but I mean, the guy went out in the main event of a pay-per-view called Night of Champions, which was basically Clash of Champions even at that point, for the WWE Championship against one of the best in the business then and now in Seth Rollins. So I don't think it's the worst way to go out, but he probably wants to right that wrong, go out on a better note. Can you do a couple Sting matches a year? Yeah, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself and say that because I feel like if we get one match with this guy and it's fucking shit, then I feel like at that point it's like, okay, let's not put him back on the ring. Like, I don't want to say, oh, I, we should map out an entire year here where, like, I could see a scenario coming up. And honestly, I would be okay with this. And I don't want to sound like a hypocrite either because I've said before, like, I don't want to see Undertaker back in the ring. Why doesn't the guy fucking hang it up? Taker's even older than Taker. Sting's even older than Taker is. I mean, that's absolutely worth mentioning. Um, again, I'll look up his age in a second, but I'm pretty sure he's like 63 years old. So I could see a scenario where they do Sting, Cody, and Darby maybe. Um, and then against maybe Team Taz. Could you do it and maybe like they were, they really want, honestly, what they could possibly do. Um, not even that I, I love the idea, but it might make sense because they've always wanted to do it. They couldn't do it earlier this year. They do the War Games match. The, what is it, Blood and Guts, I think they were going to call it when they were going to do the Elite and Inner Circle. They didn't do it then. We're never going to get that. The Elite's no longer on the same page anymore. We're, we're not going to get that fucking match. And that's fine. But maybe they do it with these four, or eight guys rather, instead. I'm not sure who would be on Team Taz. I don't Would, would Taz wrestle? I mean, he's got a fucked up neck too, so <laughs> I have no idea. I could only imagine if Taz and Sting were in the same match in 2020 or 2021. Holy shit. And I don't mean that as a good thing. Um, but maybe they put Sting in there, see how he does. Hopefully he doesn't wrestle in a shirt like he used to in his TNA days. In the WWE matches, he actually was in pretty good shape. Um, and, he, and he looked pretty decent in the ring, all things considered. But again, like you said, that was five years ago. So... I, I would I would I would give him one more match. I personally would put him in the ring one more time. If it doesn't go well, then you don't do it again. But what are the obvious matches? Do you do him and Darby Allen? Does Darby Allen get him to a good match? I, I don't even I don't know. Maybe. Does Cody get him to a good match? Cody's matches can be hit or miss. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, how much can we know Sting the guy hasn't wrestled in five years, so it's not like he's been working on the indie scene or he's been all off in TNA or something. Like he just hasn't had that that repetition, so it's a weird thing. It's not like he's coming off this big run and his body has been dormant for so long now. I don't know. I don't think he should be a regular on the show in terms of wrestling. He shouldn't be a regular on the show, period. 
But do you make him an authority figure or something like that, Mr. Marceau? Or do you think we don't... We, I mean, I don't think we need authority figures, but it is an idea. Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, I kind of hate the fact that like, every time something happens, like, oh, just got an update from Tony Khan. Like, this is going to happen next week. So, like, maybe an authority figure. Because, like, last week on the show, like, when Taz, like, I want an authority figure, and then Cody comes out. It's like, are you talking to Cody the wrestler or Cody the executive? So No, it gets maybe, confusing. Like, Maybe a central authority figure that's not like the WWE like heel authority figure, like someone that just comes out and makes matches and stuff like that would be nice. But like, that's what they're going to use them for. I mean, at that point, there's something I wrestle a match. I don't know. I just, <laughs> um, it's like one of those slippery slopes. Like, it's nice that they get them, but it's like now what are they going to do with them? And they're going to do right by it. I don't know. I think it's like you said, very polarizing on both sides. It's very polarizing. I do. I I was very excited because I'm a big Sting fan, but I do. It is a wait and see approach. It really is. I think it's cool to see him back on a national show for the first time in five years. Um, but it really is a wait and see approach because I don't want to get ahead of myself and say that he's this big asset to the company. I think he can be a great part timer for them, the same way that Taker was in his final years and. I don't know. I just, I think my, what makes me sad is that this really should have happened five years ago. Like, if this happened, I mean, this is really what we should have gotten with Sting in WWE. He only did, was supposed to do, I think, one match, and then he didn't. My thing is, dude, can, let's think about this for a second. He went into that WrestleMania match, or WrestleMania 31, thinking that was it. So what has changed in the last five years where all of a sudden he wants to go out there and have this full run? I, I just don't see that happening. I can see him having maybe one match, and then maybe if it goes exceptionally well, like the Goldberg one, I, like Goldberg was kind of the same thing. That one went so well that he ended up sticking around for a couple more matches. I can see that. I would be open to that, but I don't want to sit here and map out two years worth of Sting in the company without knowing if it's going to go well the first couple of months because we could have this amazing moment, and then if he shits the bed in his first match, and then it's all out the window. The authority figure thing, I think, is an option. I don't love the idea. I don't think we need on-air authority figures, but NXT does it fairly well with, like, you know, William Regal, so it would be open to the idea. I like the Darby Allen Sting pairing idea. The only issue with that is that we already have so fucking, so many managers that I feel like it means nothing at this point. Like, we have Vicky Guerrero, and first of all, I, I never cared to see Vicky in the company anyway, but, like, they brought her in to do absolutely nothing, dude. So would him becoming a manager even mean anything when we already have so many managers as it is? I mean, I don't think so. Um, I just I just don't know. Like you said, I think maybe have him wrestle one match. But besides that, unless he's been training with the person that trained Arion, I mean, he might, might, might as well not even wrestle. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Again, I'm excited to see him in the company. I am very skeptical as to where they go from here. It's a very slippery slope because if it doesn't deliver, then it's just going to be looked at as a complete waste. But he does still have a lot of fans. I mean, the guy's 60-something years old, again, like I said earlier. But those people are going crazy, and Sting is one of the greatest characters in wrestling history. So I think he can be an asset to the company. And what role, I don't know. Is he a producer? Is he an agent? Is he on the show every fucking week? I have no idea. I don't want to see him on the show every week because I feel like that would make him not nearly as special as he should be. Um, I, I really don't think that'd be a good idea. But if he's around every once in a while for a major storyline and they utilize him properly, then personally, I'm all for it. Um, but we get to the other polarizing thing from the show last night. Kenny Omega beating John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. A lot to dissect here. First of all, the match itself. 
The match didn't deliver for you, Mr. Marceau. I thought it was a very good match. Did I think it was on the level of their first match? No. Did I think it was main event, like, pay-per-view worthy? No. I do think it was more angle storyline driven than anything, and that was kind of what took away from it. I enjoyed the match. Did it hit that level? I would say no, and I know you would agree with that as well. Yeah, I just thought, I don't know, I just, like, I just didn't really care for the match. Honestly, I think it's more of a Moxley thing. I just, every single match he has now, I mean, they didn't really have any, like, garbage death match in this, but, like, he's always outside the ring. It's, like, over, like, over the top outside the ring. Doesn't listen to the count. Like, last night, I think they were out of the ring for, like, at least a good five, seven minutes. Just, like, it just... Like, just wrestle in the ring. Like, whatever happened to him wrestling in the ring? It's always, like, him outside the ring, chairs, the barricade. They did, like, that other... At the end of the match, did that spot with him giving him the paradigm shift on that heater thing. Like, I just feel like you just constantly outside the ring. Like, keep it in the ring and, like, actually wrestle. I just... Since he's gone to AEW, he's, like, constantly lost that, like... He's a good wrestler. I just don't understand why he always, like, goes back to, like, that indie, outside-the-ring kind of mentality. But... I just didn't think it ever really got to, like, the next gear to see, like I said, because I think they were outside the ring for so long. Once they kind of got back into the ring, they did, like, a couple minutes of actually wrestling, and then they did that spot outside the ring again, then the finish, and then the match was over. But I just, I don't know, I just, it's a Moxley thing. It's, I, I, I like Moxley. I just think he's just constantly been doing this. And then every other match he has with chairs and stuff, he got brought chairs in this, they didn't actually use them, but that was kind of a dumb spot, too. But... For what it, like, I just didn't think the match, like you said, as a pay-per-view main event or as a main event, it just fell flat, especially for the title. The finish, I mean, not that anyone would see it coming, but it's like they've had Callus on the show before. They've noted, like, they said that he's, they even state that he's impacts like EVP or whatever the fuck his title is. He, why are you here? Oh, Kenny's a good friend of mine. Like, okay. Like, why, why is the rest of his friends coming? Oh, it seemed kind of weird. And then his involvement, I mean, it just, the whole ending was kind of weird to me. Like, he comes down. They're going to, like, basically stop the mask of his eye, and then Moxley takes him back, grabs a microphone. They're like, I don't even know, like, why did he grab the microphone? Is what I don't get. Like, he just grabs a microphone and starts hitting. He's like, he's not hurt his eye. Like, it, the whole thing just seemed fucking weird to me. Hits him with the fuck. Omega hits him with the, the microphone. Moxley gets blood for no reason, and then he wins, and they storm off. <laughs> I just, I don't know, like the whole, like the whole, the ending when he was like, "Come to impact," like that was huge. But like, I think everyone knew. I mean, everyone that I think with a brain knew that Omega was gonna win. Obviously, in the fashion that he did, I don't think was predicted. But like, they made it seem like this big shock that Omega won. Like, I think everyone knew he was gonna. I thought he was gonna win at least. Yeah. Uh, the fashion happened was a little strange, but I don't know, just like the ending of what's going to happen or like the tease of our like partnership with AW Impact. Like, yeah, I'm definitely down for that, but the match and everything that happened in it just like felt completely flat to me. I don't know. I'm of, I'm of two minds on the thing because I feel like if they did it a bit more straightforward with Omega beating Moxley straight up, I know they did it because they want to cement his heel turn. I know that, but I feel like they could have done it a bit better just because he hit him with a fucking microphone. Like, I'm thinking if you're going to do that, like get a chair or brass knuckles or something a bit more devastating. I'm pretty sure it was the soft part of the, mic- of the microphone, too. It was the part of the microphone that has the, that you talk into. It wasn't the end part of it. And then Moxley started bleeding. That's why I laughed when you said that because I'm like, why the fuck is he bleeding? <laughs> Um, I feel like if it was a, if it was more of a straightforward finish though, I did not even realize until this morning 
that because of the loss, Moxley has now lost his first singles match in the company. That wasn't even acknowledged. That, if anything, was what got lost in the shuffle, and that's a pretty big deal. He's been here for a year and a half now. He's not gotten pinned one-on-one ever. I don't think he's gotten pinned at all, actually. And that's a pretty big deal, but I think all people were thinking about was like, oh, Omega cheated the win. It was a little lame. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm glad Omega won. I think he should have won. The fact that he won in the fashion he did with Callus helping him, I didn't hate. Because I think if Callus is like his... Again, I feel like Callus as a mouthpiece could really work because I'm obviously a bit more familiar with him than you are, but he was a great commentator for Impact. He's not doing commentary now. They have Madison Rain doing it. Um, But he was a commentator for them at one point. He was a commentator in New Japan for Omega's matches, actually. And he's a great talker. He's actually very entertaining. And Omega... Newsflash, he's not a very good talker. I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Talking is not a strong suit. So if Callus is his mouthpiece, I think that's cool. Um, I think that's where this is going. So I, I didn't love the finish. I'm happy that Omega won. Moxley losing was the right call. You have to do it when the iron is hot, obviously. And they, they struck when the iron was hot. Um, him running away, I already told this to you earlier, but him running away and then Alex Morvez catches up to him. And he's like, oh, what, what was up with that? What's up with that? And he's like, well, you'll get all your answers on Tuesday. And Marvez is like, but Dynamite's on Wednesdays. And then Callus was like, watch Impact Wrestling on Access TV. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a big Impact fan. I want to see them succeed. They've had a great 2020. We talked about Impact a couple of months ago. You caught Slammiversary and some of the shows they've had. They actually have a very good roster, even though they've lost um, a lot of big people in the last couple of years. They still have a very good roster. They, did a, they do a good job of replenishing the pot. It reminds me of NXT in that way. Um, sometimes that can be detrimental, but they do have a lot of key members, key players in place there. So Kenny Omega is going to Impact Wrestling, something I never thought I would say. I think Callis has actually gone on the record and saying in the past that he wanted Omega in Impact before AEW became a thing. Would that have actually happened? Probably not. I would assume not. Um, I just, that definitely, I don't think would have worked out, but, um, he is going to Impact next week. Uh, We've already discussed this over text, but to kind of reiterate our thoughts here, Mr. Marceau, Impact, AEW, is there a working relationship here? Do you expect there to be some sort of an invasion? Do they build to a mega show with the two brands? What do you expect to happen out of this? What do you want to happen out of this? I honestly have no idea. I just, I, 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 the way I would do it, I would just, if they're going to have any kind of partnership, I would just have Omega be like, like you said, Callus is his manager because Omega can't talk for shit. And then you just have him be like a dick heel. He's, like, on both... I mean, I don't think he'll be on both shows, but, like, I just... We discussed this earlier. I just, like, if they're going to not... If they're not going to incorporate both of the rosters, like, on both shows, like, what's the point, I guess, at that point? I mean, like you said, they get more exposure from Impact if they're on AEW, but it's it only goes so far. It's, like, not like everyone's just going, oh, I saw freaking Sammy Callahan on, on AEW. I'm going to watch... Impact every week, like I just, I still think that's going to happen. So, I mean, for what it was, I mean, if you're going to get all these big dream matches out, it probably would have to span over both shows. I mean, AEW is doing the bigger. I would say they're putting more of an investment in it. Like they're giving them Omega, they're going to put them on Impact. Like they don't need Impact. Impact needs them more. So, I'm assuming if they do like big matches, any kind of cross promotion. I'm assuming AEW would get those matches and then it'd pump ratings even higher just because, again, these big matches on their show. And like I said, they are giving Impact exposure, but, I mean, when you're giving up the bigger chip, I, I, I would just see AEW getting more out of this than Impact is. 
Well, I told you over text, I think it's the other way around because I think Impact has absolutely nothing to lose here. They have literally zero buzz. And I hate to say that because they did put out a lot of good content this year. The show isn't the most must-see show of the week by any means. But it's rarely bad. It's not the typical TNA bullshit. Like, they haven't done a lot of that stuff in a while. And honestly, I would rather have them have the momentum or lack of momentum that they have right now than absolutely nothing at all. Because they were, they, they were I mean, as opposed to them having the momentum that they did, or maybe the, the 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 talk they had a couple of years ago where people were talking about impact, but it just wasn't very positive talk, and a lot of people would shit on the show, and rightfully so. I, I think this helps impact more than it helps AEW, because it's not like impact is giving them their talent. Unlike the NWA, Impact is still running shows. They're still doing their shows. I don't I think their roster is fine. I think maybe a couple of people coming over from AEW to Impact for a couple of matches like FTR in the North, I think, would be a lot of fun. That's been discussed heavily by both teams in the past. I think that'd be very cool. Um, there's a lot of possibilities there. So I don't think it's going to be full-on invasion. You mentioned over text, and you might have mentioned it there, that you know th- there's already a lot of people in AEW they're not doing shit with right now, and I completely agree. I think to add even more people to the roster would be stupid um, if they're on the show on a regular basis. But I think if it's an NWA type thing where they mention Impact every once in a while on Dynamite, they sometimes do a talent exchange, it's not a consistent thing, I think that's perfectly fine. I think it's awesome to have all these companies working together. Uh, Ring of Honor, I think, is still working with AAA or CMLL or maybe New Japan or maybe both, I don't remember, but they have that thing going on, or they did anyway pre-pandemic. Impact now has a working relationship with them, and uh, AEW has a working relationship with AAA. There's a lot of relationships going on here, and I think it's it's only for the better. Are there any matches that come to mind, Mr. Marceau, that you would like to see in an Impact AEW crossover? I know you're not too familiar with the roster, but again, I mentioned FTR in the North. I think the Young Bucks and the Motor City Machine Guns going at it one more time would be awesome. You mentioned the women's division in your tweet last night. AEW could benefit from having some of that rub from the Impact uh, Knockouts division, their tag team title tournament going on right now. Any potential matchups that you're looking forward to seeing potentially at some point? You basically just name the two. The tag, I think the tag teams they they have a good tag team division as well. You got the Good Brothers. I mean, I think their women's division is good as well. So you could have like Sheeta, um, Deanna Peraza, Jordan Grace is good. Um, I mean, I I think it, it, it I think it is beneficial for both companies. I think it's just more I'm more interested to see how they execute it. I guess. I agree. We'll see. But I thought it was a very cool finish to the show. We'll see where it goes next week. And if nothing else. Again, whether people liked it, hated it, felt indifferent, it's gotten people talking about Dynamite, and people were already talking about Dynamite, but um, it, it was a big, big talking point coming out of the show last night, the Impact thing, the Sting debut, the title change, and everything else that went down. So I'm looking forward to next week. I find myself very excited for next week's show. They've already promised that Sting will speak, so even though NXT is going to have a post-show for their TakeOver event <laughs> next Sunday or next Wednesday for NXT, I'm going to be watching Dynamite first again. So uh, looking forward to that. But speaking of TakeOver, we will get to that in a moment with our War Games predictions. But one quick note from Raw, another fairly abysmal show, not a completely terrible show, but I thought this episode of WrestleRant Radio would be dedicated to doing just that ranting about wrestling and talking about Reckoning losing to Dana Brooke and Ricochet losing to Slapjack and Shayna Baszler getting pinned by Lana. Any quick thoughts on Raw from Monday, Mr. Marceau, as well as AJ Styles becoming the next number one contender to the United States, or not the United States, I'm sorry, the WWE Championship at TLC? It just, Raw has been so bad lately. I don't even think think the show was, like, terrible in the sense, like, I think the wrestling itself was fine. I just, 
that to say the booking decisions are like all terrible besides AJ winning. Like Lana beating Shayna Baszler, come on, that's fucking that's gotta be a joke. Slapjack beating Ricochet, like come on. The group, and then Reckoning losing to Dana Brooke, like just didn't make any sense. It just felt completely random. I I like the opener with Orton, Wyatt, and and Alexa. Um, I mean the Jeff Hardy Elias stuff for what it was. It was I guess it was fine. Them incorporating twenty four seven. Just please get rid of the fucking bell. It means nothing. Um, <laughs> I just I just hate it. But besides that, I mean, I just I think it was more of a book. The booking on this show was just so weird and just did no one any favors. Just took steps back for everyone it's just like what the fuck is going on in this company yeah I have no idea I mean Raw is just such a short to sit through now I have no idea from week to week what they're even doing I mean there were so many moments on the show this week more than usual with some of the booking decisions I, di- I didn't think overall it was that terrible of a show because like I said I like the I like the tag team main event McIntyre Sheamus teaming up for the first time I like that Miz TV was well done the opening segment. Did you mention that Orton and Bliss in the Wyatt stuff? Yeah, I, I, like, that, I right? like that. I like that stuff. Yeah, I thought that was well done. I like the triple threat. So I can't even call it like, oh, it was the worst Raw of the year. We've said that about various Raws, and it, you know, again, rightfully so. The shows were terrible. I didn't think Raw was terrible this week. Just It's just a chore to sit through sometimes, and it makes it that much worse when you have Ricochet losing to a guy named fucking Slapjack. I mean, come on, man. We just got done talking about AEW, and I'm not one to say, oh, we should go to the other company, but like... This guy's got to start running for the hills at this point. If I was him, that's what I would be doing because clearly they have no plans for Ricochet. And he's, he's supposed to be positioned in a feud with Ali. How the fuck is he, a, is he a threat to Ali if he's losing to Shane Thorne on Raw in 2020? That just makes zero sense to me. And then Reckoning, yeah, that, I just, I don't know. Who cares? It's not that he's a, well, he is a threat to Ali, but it's like, didn't the whole other didn't like the other members get involved as well? So it's like no, no, I agree. Yeah. Lose, but like there is interference. But no, I mean, I don't think Ricochet is even winning this feud. So no. I, I just his well, main roster run has probably been one of, if not the worst, from like a prolific or big NXT guy coming up. His main roster run has been. Terrible. I couldn't tell you <laughs> one good thing he's done since he's been on the main roster. I mean, he's just... U.S. champion for three weeks. <laughs> that was freaking like a fart in church. <laughs> Literally a popcorn fart rain. I don't even remember that even happening. It just The guy was such a big star in NXT, and he's been just a complete bomb on the main roster. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about... You're, are you telling me that him facing Brock and losing in a minute wasn't a big deal? <laughs> I mean, just so fucking stupid. Dude, I don't know. I mean, the worst part about that, too, was that, yes, Retribution did cost Ricochet the win, but Dana Brooke even interfered and, like, oh, Ricochet's going to, I mean, it's going to have to take help, but he's still going to beat Shane Thorne even with help with it, which is dumb. But, like, he's still lost. He's still lost. She interfered, and he's still lost. And then, then Mia Yim lost her first match on the show. Like, do you have the nearest garbage? Do you have the nearest garbage game, Mr. Mars, so I can just throw this entire storyline into right now? Yeah, I just don't care. Retribution's so bad. It's terrible. But we will get to NXT. Did you catch up in NXT from last night after Dynamite or no? Yes, sir. You did? Okay. I thought it was a good show. Any any thoughts on it? There really wasn't much that happened. It was really just kind of billed for Sunday. No, I thought it was a decent show. I mean, obviously not as buzzworthy as Dynamite, but I thought yeah. it built for the show on Sunday well. And the only issue I have is I'm fucking sick of scrap matches. So can we, like... Get rid of the scrap matches. I'm so over them this year. (laughs) 
We'll get to that. Yeah, no, I thought it was decent. Nothing newsworthy about the show. It wasn't even that great of a show. I thought it was fine for what it was. Nothing bad, nothing too good, which is pretty kind of like, you know, par for the course of uh, NXT. It just paled in comparison to, by, uh, to Dynamite by a wide margin, but I did think it was a decent show. So we get now to War Games predictions for Sunday, the fourth installment of the War Games event. We've talked about this before. Are the events losing their luster? Yeah, arguably yes, but I am still excited for the show on Sunday. Uh, maybe not as much as they have been in recent years, just because the show really feels thrown together. But uh, it does look to be a solid card on paper. So we start from the bottom, work our way to the top here, to the match just announced last night right after NXT, uh, which you could probably tell was going to happen based off what we've been seeing in recent weeks. But Timothy Thatcher taking on Tomas Ciampa one-on-one for the first time ever in NXT. Should be a good match. My only issue with this... I like Timothy Thatcher a lot. He had that huge fight pit win over Matt Riddle, which was major for him. And he's done absolutely nothing since then. He's beaten a couple people on the show. But I feel like whenever it fucking matters most, the guy always loses. He lost to Finn Balor. I'm pretty sure he lost to Dexter Loomis a couple of weeks ago. He may have beaten him, but I don't remember. I know he lost to Damian Priest in a match for the championship. I'm pretty sure he lost to someone else as well. Maybe Bronson Reed, but he's lost to a bunch of people, and I don't think this is going to be any exception. Yeah, I think this is a win for Ciampa. I mean, like you said with Thatcher, I think he's good, but he seems to be that guy that just can't win the big one. Um, he's kind of like it, Damian Priest before Priest like got his nick, like this last push. I was going to say I was going to say Tyler Breeze circa like 2015 or so. Yeah, you could say that as well. I mean. I, I, I do think I think he did lose to Loomis a couple weeks ago too, so he did lose to Loomis as well. In my memory serves me right, but yeah, I mean Champa. It makes sense. Champa gets the win here. Um, he's not really doing much of note, so it's kind of sucky that he'll be beating Thatcher. But I mean, he is one of their bigger players, so you can't have him lose here. Yeah, I, I think he's going to lose. And the thing is too that you know Tommaso Champa probably needs the victory too. He hasn't won on a takeover all year. He he kind of needs a notable win. I got to be fair to him. Thatcher needs more just because he's not as established as Ciampa, but in 2020, 2020 has not been kind of Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, the guy lost to um, Adam Cole to take over Portland. He lost to Johnny Gargano in that cinematic match. He lost to Karrion Cross to take over In Your House. Just, just not a very good time right now for, for uh, Tommaso Ciampa. So I assume this is a win for him, as it should be, but I, I do want Thatcher to get more some some more spotlight going forward. Um, strap match. You mentioned Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes. Loomis already had a strap match against Roderick Strong earlier on in the year, which is why I think he wins here. Grimes is another one. I think he's very good. I think he, ne- he needs a big win on a takeover. He hasn't won on a takeover yet, I don't think, but I think he loses here because they see more on Loomis and... Um, which is fine, but I just think he needs a win, but I think he loses here. Yeah, I just, the, the way the story's going, I mean, I think Grimes is the bigger star, and Grimes should win, but, I mean, they're they're obsessed with Dexter Loomis. I, I mean, I think he's good, but the whole gimmick and stuff, eh, just doesn't do too much for me. I think there's more potential in Grimes, but it seems like the way they're going, Loomis will win here, and then hopefully we'll move on from this story because it's been a fucking shit show. Triple threat for the NXT North American Championship. Leon Ruff defending against both Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. I think Gargano and Priest cancel each other out here. I think Ruff losing it this soon would be too predictable. And I said before that if you're going to put the belt on the guy, that's fine. But they have to try to make this worthwhile. they got to milk it for all that it's worth. And I'm not saying he should be champion for six months, but I think you can get more out of him than just this match. 
So I think because it's a triple threat, Priest and Gargano, again, kind of cancel each other out. Ruff retains, and maybe he moves on to Pat McAfee, who beats him for the belt, maybe at some point in the next month or so. And I think I'd be okay with that. Maybe after Ruff goes through another title defense or two. But I do think this is a win for Leon Ruff, though. Yeah, completely agree with you. I think Priest and Gargano, like you said, cancel each other out. Maybe they get a little, someone hits a finisher on the other. Ruff kind of just tosses them out and gets the win, or it could get like kind of like a fluky win. But I think Ruff winning here makes the most sense. Um, I don't want them to put the belt on just to take it right off. It just if you're gonna do it, make sure you capitalize on it. I don't know if they've done a great job on it on that because they've basically made this guy seem like the biggest fucking wimp of all time and a loser. <laughs> but I mean, they can turn it around, I think. But uh, I mean, McAfee beating him for the belt—not that's predictable. I could see it coming. I think it would be a great idea. And give his faction a little bit more goal, but um, I would keep the belt on Ruff a little bit longer to kind of like solidify the champ. The championship's done a little hot potato lately, yep. so on one person would be uh, would be nice for a little bit. I agree. We get to the women's war games match. Team shot, uh, team Shotzi rather now complete with uh, herself, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai against Team Candice, which consists of Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. This is a stacked match. And I enjoyed last year's Women's War Games, um, but I think this might be even better given the level of talent involved. And last year's was really four-on-two, let's be fair here. So for an actual Women's War Games match, this might be great. This might be even better than the men's match, which is saying something. So I'm really looking forward to this. They made it made sense. I wasn't a fan of it originally. It felt forced and random, but... You know, a lot of these women have issues. Tony turned on Ember. Ember was previously feuding with uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel. Dakota has issues with Shotzi and EO. They're coming off their feud. Rhea had her feud with Raquel. And recently, EO and other friends. And Candice is feuding with Shotzi. There's a lot going on here. I think it's going to be a great match. Um, but because Shotzi picked up the War Games advantage last night, and I feel like it's just more of a stacked team, they have more to gain here, I think Team Shotzi goes over. Yeah, this will be an interesting one. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think I think either team could win, and I wouldn't really have an issue with it. Um, maybe if Shotzi's team win, and then Shotzi can get a, t- a, or a title match with EO. I don't think she's the one to beat EO, but maybe they can go on that aspect. Or you go in the other way, maybe Tony Storm wins it for her team. They do her and EO next. I mean, I think there's endless possibilities. Either team winning, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think I, I like both teams equally, so I think this should be a great match, like you said, and I just... I, I honestly, I'll go with Shotzi's team to win, but I don't think it, either way, I'm not going to be mad. I think it should be a good match. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good match regardless. We have the entire Undisputed Era battling uh, Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch, the NXT Tag Team Champions, in another men's War Games match on this show. Undisputed Era have been involved in all four War Games matches. Uh, some have been better than others, but they've all been great, and I expect this to be no exception. Undisputed Era are coming into this uh, are coming into this one rather as the baby faces. So this one I feel like more than any other match on the card can go either way. Cause Undisputed Era have not won in war games in three years. Um, the thing is though, they're already established. McAfee, I mean, I guess the other guys are too. McAfee and not McAfee, but Dunn, Lorkin, and Birch have been around for a long time, but they're not established as a unit. So if they're going to be sticking around as a heel stable, which I like just because they've been very good in NXT lately, um, I think it'd be too soon to break them up. I, I think they got to win here, especially if they have these guys go on to have like McAfee win the um, North American title and they have Pete Dunne potentially beat Finn Balor for the NXT championship. I think there's more there. 
So I, I'm thinking it's a heels win. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn between who's going to win here, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Team McAfee. I think they're the better bet. Yeah, I'm going with Team McAfee here as well. I just like you said, I think they're the better bet. I think they need the win more. Undisputed Era is already established. They don't technically need the win, so I'll go with I'll go with Team McAfee here. I think it makes more sense, and that's who I'm going with. Yeah, I agree. Again, it can very well go either way, but Undisputed Air have already done all there is to do. They're probably on their way out at some point, ideally soon. So I think just having them win on the way out probably wouldn't make the most sense, but it would be make for a cool moment after having lost the last two War Games matches in 2018 and 2019, respectively. But overall, it should be a good show. I always look forward to the takeovers. The build of this one has been undoubtedly rushed. But um, that being said, they always deliver. There's been... Nothing but good to great to amazing takeovers over the years. So I expect this to be no exception. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday night. There's a lot to look forward to next week between the fallout from War Games. We have Sting Speaks on Dynamite, among other things. The fallout from Kenny Omega appearing on Impact. Are you going to be watching Impact next week, RJ, for the first time in a couple months? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> Do it for old GSM. Tune in to Twitch on Tuesday night. I have access TV. I'll watch it on that. Shit! Mr. Marceau's got access. I don't even have access, and I watch the show every week. <laughs> yeah, I got access TV. I'll put that trash on and see how it is. Hey, kids got no excuse to not be tuning into Josh Matthews every week from this point forward. Oh, oh he's so bad. <laughs> Josh Matthews. Love me well, some Every time I think of Josh Matthews, I think of the Tim White segments. <laughs> oh, the, the Please Kill Me segments? <laughs> from yeah. .com? And, and now you now when we get off the phone in a minute, now you're just going to go off and watch all the videos on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> oh, Mr. White, that's not wise. <laughs> that's not wise, Mr. White. <laughs> Did I tell you I met I met Tim White at Access last year? I ran into him at one of the uh, one of the booths and I took a picture with him. I think you did tell me that. Did you mark out? Did you like tell him your favorite vignette? Or? I, no, I told him that my favorite moment with him wasn't the vignette, rather, but when he got trashed inside Hell in the Cell back in 2003. That's mean. It was, no, it was 02. It was Triple H and Jericho. That not that what it was? And and that's why, I think that's what it was, because that's why they had Mick Foley as the special guest referee for Diesel and Kevin Nash, or I'm sorry, Diesel, or Kevin Nash and Triple H and 03 of Bad Blood. I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's what, that is what happened, because because they're like, last time Triple H was in a town of cell, like a referee guy's ass kicked, and it was, like you said. Poor Tim White. Not not wise at all. Not wise. Not wise at all, Tim White. <laughs> Go check out those Mr. Uh, those Mister Tim White's vignettes, Mr. Marceau, and tell me how they are. But uh, we'll be back next week with another stack show. People can check out the show every single Thursday on, again, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean Radio. Uh, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play. We're all over the place, so rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. And again, another great show coming up next Thursday from myself and Mr. Marceau. Um, and yeah, we got the, uh, how can I forget? How can I forget? I forgot to plug in Mr. Marceau. The 2020 WWE slash NXT slash AEW for the first time. Year in review awards. You already voted right, Mr. Marceau, and you're not telling me what you voted for until we do the results, right? Correct. Honestly, I have to go look over and see what I even voted for. But yeah, I think everything I voted for probably going to win because I mean, it's obviously going to happen. So um, yeah, it's going <laughs> to. What were your thoughts in the polls this year? Did I do a good job? Um yeah, I mean, I I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, so I can't remember everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, the issue with the I mean, not that's an issue per se, but I feel like with a lot of these, it's more. 
it's a lot of it's like what's in your mind, like the more fresh things. I feel like win a lot. I agree. Not that's a problem, but I feel like just like people are voting. It's like this just happened. So in your mind, you're like, oh, that was the best thing. But like, yep. it is nice. I mean, it does get your mind going. Going back to the beginning of the year, just kind of what a crazy year this has been. So exactly. no, definitely go out and vote. And uh, if you don't vote like. I did. You probably won't win, but we'll see what happens. We got to have a voter turnout like we just had in the recent election. Hey, we might have to see someone stuff in the ballot. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't know who that would be, but it ain't gonna be me. But um, yeah, be be sure to vote on WrestleRant.com, and those results will be reviewed on the December 31st, the New Year's Eve episode of WrestleRant Radio that Mr. Marcel will be joining me for at the very end. 2020. Have a great one, Mr. Marcel. Catch your ass next week. See you later.